Hello everyone, I am Manny. And I'm Wyo. This is the Kink Buffet Podcast episode... 11. 11? No, 13. No, 12. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But welcome back. I, th- I thought 13 was the appropriate number for this specific episode. It, you're probably right. Could be. So maybe we, <laughs> maybe we release this one later just for the synchronicity of it. <laughs> Uh, and we are still in a hotel in Colorado hiding from the wildfires and the smoke. So we've been doing a podcast today because we're on lockdown. Mm-hmm. We were trying to hide from viruses and ended up in fire. <laughs> yeah, but the hurricane can't get to us. Right. This is so bizarre. <laughs> it is absolutely weird. So... This podcast is going to be about sadomasochism. Right. And we started with talking about definitions. Do we make this just about pain? Do we make this just about masochism? And what a masochist gets out of it? and Or uh, sadism? And we decided we're going to start by speaking in broad terms... With the idea that we can go down any number of rabbit holes later and get into real depth on some of these. Uh, and in fact, I think some of these topics are going to be great when we have guests, when we have someone specifically interested in uh, a niche area of of these things. Right. Then that I think that's a real good chance to explore uh, the nitty-gritty, right? For sure. So let's start with what what sadomasochism is. So, on the official, like, psychiatric (laughs) definition, it is somebody who derives pleasure from pain, and it is considered a psychiatric condition. It Um, is. Yes. Yeah, well, it's it's a dance between two, well, sadomasochism as a whole is a dance between two individuals. One who derives pleasure, usually sexual, from pain or humiliation, which I, I think meaning physical or mental mm-hmm. or emotional. And then the masochist is somebody who d- derives pleasure, often sexual, from receiving pain. Right, and the sadomasochism is both sides. Like, from the pain, so either watching it or receiving it. And you can, kind of, you can do both. <laughs> yeah, so. and I, I actually... I mean, we laugh and roll our eyes that it's a psychiatric condition because we know so many normal people who are very healthy, mm-hmm. consensual individuals within this. But I get why an objective person would find it to be a psychiatric condition. I, I do get why one would view a sadist as somebody to avoid. Right. And why one would view a masochist as someone who's damaged. Um, I will... Hopefully, we can make the case that both of these aren't correct, but I think we have to start by understanding it makes sense why someone's gut would give them those conclusions, right? Right. Well, and and approaching things from the psychiatric doctor's standpoint, they're looking to diagnose something and symptoms of something that might be comorbid to form a syndrome. I mean, they do it with all kinds of things like hypersexuality and other things that might fall into like a narcissistic pattern or something like that 
they're using those terms to diagnose something. But that feature itself of a person's character doesn't make them a mentally ill person. No, absolutely not. And even if you diagnosed, for example, a masochist, and you came up with all these psychoanalytical reasons for it because of their childhood fill in the blank and these are the reasons and you're trying to get your need met this way it does not mean that number one that person does not derive pleasure from the experience and number two it does not mean that person is not doing something that is healthy for them a lot of this can be healing a lot of this can be a way of taking back power and and owning a horrible part of your life it's a different approach we we all have different ways of processing things. Mm-hmm. So even if somebody is doing this for some reason that seems like an unhealthy start, it does not automatically mean it's an unhealthy expression of how they process this part of themselves. Yeah, exactly. Right? Now, it can be also, like all things in life, it can be wildly unhealthy as well. Mm-hmm. It can be both, certainly. I mean, it's pretty easy to identify certain sadists as people we don't want walking among us right that's a like that doesn't even need to be spoken but we're not talking about those people well and there are masochists too who need help that would be like self-harming or something yeah okay yeah so there we go perfect example so yeah so there are both of those and we're not going to speak about those that's not part of this podcast so let's go ahead and take sadists who want to not want to the desire to do something and and fantasizing about it is not the same as doing the thing Mm -hmm. but sadists who cause non-consensual harms to other people those are not people that are in our community they're not welcome in our community they're a black spot in our community Mm -hmm. and we'll save those topics for those people discussing those types of individuals Mm-hmm. Those aren't our people. Is that correct? Right. right. We're talking about exchanges between healthy, consensual, adult humans. Yes. And, and by the same token, you, you said people that are self-harming through these things, mm-hmm. that also doesn't fall into this sexual dynamic that we're talking about. Right. You know, we are speaking of a, a healthy... It's a, it's a dynamic. It's a healthy dynamic mm-hmm. that can exist within this space. As strange as that may seem to somebody on the outside who doesn't understand it and, and many of whom can never understand it. Right. Now, it could still be therapeutic for somebody who has a tendency for self-harm to find somebody who can work with them and apply, you know, for the sake of, an example like a a therapeutic caning which would give them the endorphin release that they would then not need to cut or something like that and then it can be done in a monitored setting with without permanent disfigurement exactly and with the end goal being to achieve something positive not to just make you forget about something negative right not that there's anything wrong with distracting yourself from the negative either. I mean, everything is in the gray. I mean, there's so few things that are black and white other than what we started with, which is these people and those people are fall outside of what we're talking about. Right. So 
let's start with just the the idea of of pain. Mm-hmm. You know the uh, pain in sex is not an unusual idea. Vin- there's many vanilla couples who will enjoy a spank on the ass. Right. Now, they don't want that at the workplace, and they certainly didn't like it when they didn't put their toys away as a kid. <laughs> it's a painful thing, but it stimulates a positive response that's enjoyable. That's not unusual. And it's equally not unusual for the guy who, or the woman who likes to spank their partner on the ass. Mm-hmm. So just the idea of introducing pain into a sexual dynamic isn't inherently that unusual. Right. Right? But there's levels. Mm-hmm. So let's start by saying that pain isn't something that, ex- well, I'm going to express an opinion here. You can differ as if you want. Okay. But pain doesn't take place on the body. It takes place in the mind. And the reason why I say this is I am a believer that if you went to a dungeon and you saw two scenes and you would see one person getting an open hand spanking on the butt right next to another person who's being brutally caned to the point that they're bloody, you could argue that those two individuals are both having the identical experience because in their minds, they're both perhaps very close to their line. They're also getting the same need met they're getting the same whether it's catharsis or going into floaty space, subspace, or they're both punishments for disobedience because they like control. Whatever their motivations are, those could be effectively an identical experience for the individuals in their heads. But it would look wildly Holy different. Holy mackerel, does it right. not? <laughs> it does right. not look the same. The first time I went to saw a room full of people doing public scenes, it was it was a mind fuck. Mm-hmm. I had to wrap my head around the fact that. To them, that's no different than the, the thing over here that didn't look so bad. Bad to you. Bad to, bad to me, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let, let's start on the, 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 um, the masochist side. Okay. So a masochist is someone that derives pleasure or some type of gratification from pain. Mm-hmm. But the first part of this, and, and you are a masochist. Yes. Uh, Deriving pleasure from something does not mean enjoying the pain in and of itself. Yeah, I always get a kick out of when you do something to me and you're like, did that hurt? I'm like, yes. <laughs> and then you say, but did you like it? It's like, that's the difference. Like, right. Yes. Well, let's start with that. So with you, you enjoy the sensation of pain for, for pain's sake. Mm-hmm. Some types of pain. Right. You actually do derive pleasure from the pain. Right. What is that like to you? It's just um, an exhilaration, really. Like, um, I actually suffer from chronic pain. So it seems counterintuitive that more pain would even be an option. But for me, it's, it's therapeutic. It's, I believe, a process of short-circuiting my brain chemicals. There's already an overacting of like the nerve sensations and everything going on. And if I can trigger more stuff, I can shut it down for a short period of time. So that's that's kind of a benefit for me. But I get like 
I get a rush. I like if something compared to I mean we use a roller coaster analogy a lot, but I'll I'll use like a haunted house this time. So if I go to a haunted house and I get a startle, a jump scare, there's like a flush or a cold, you know, your blood runs cold for that millisecond. That's similar to what I get from a pain experience. So like when I'm being spanked with a belt, for example, I get that repeated sensation and I get another release of brain chemicals with the ex the um each successive stroke and eventually I hit that place where now the stuff that's chronic doesn't hurt so bad because my brain is focusing on something else and and it's actually kind of a a good feeling right and for you and I think the reasons we've even even discussed this the reason why the pain is associated with something sexual, there's still a bit of a mystery as to why this happens with individuals. There's a mystery why anybody is turned on by anything mm-hmm. other than the fact that they, they are mm-hmm. and it's not a choice. It is something that if it turns you on, your brain is makes those connections. Right. Well, I tend to be an adrenaline junkie kind of person anyway so I like thrill rides I like haunted houses I like horror movies I like scary things I also like to watch other people go through those things they give me the same kind of charge yeah actually and hold that thoughts I want to come back to that because when we start talking about sadism you can actually speak on that too mm-hmm. in a way where I can't speak upon masochism at all okay I, I don't understand pain why anybody would want pain. I don't understand why anybody would enjoy it. Although I do, wait, let me back up. I understand why people would want it. We're going to talk about the reasonable reasons why people would want it. But I, at some level, like I'm not a masochist. <laughs> That's, mm-hmm. There's no way around it. That's just not, it doesn't do anything for me other than make me want to make it stop. So, but you can speak upon sadism for, we'll get to that. Okay. So, <laughs> right. You, you enjoy both sadism and masochism, but only practice one right. for the most part, it's, mm. which is in, it's interesting because the sadism involves other things that you don't want to do, mm. but you enjoy it. So, okay, so you actually enjoy that. You get a physical sensation. Mm-hmm. How how does that affect you sexually? Well, let me let me back up and ask you. So, is the pain automatically associated with sex? sexuality if you were getting a tooth extracted at the dentist does that turn you on Um, or 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 does it need to be in the sexual context for you um no as far as pain there there's good pain and there's bad pain like stubbing your toe is not sexy it hurts there are i also don't really enjoy sharp sensations but i enjoy scratching and like stingy impact, thuddy impact, a lot of different sensations can be painful. Um, I don't enjoy tickling either. I I actually don't. I don't find myself to be ticklish at all. But some people use that as a pain technique, and um, that's that's perfectly. I mean, that's a perfect tool to use for for certain people. It doesn't sure. work for me. Um, but the, the deal is that 
the the way that it's processed in my head like good pain does give me that flush it, if I the same thing with like being scared I'm not sure if it's a fight or flight mechanism that gets triggered but I just feel my blood rush and it's good whereas the the pain that's acute like stubbing a toe feels like I'll make it stop which it probably is what normal people feel but I don't know what normal is so <laughs> well and so even uh, you're so far on the that spectrum you you orgasm just from pain I can't yeah. how common do you find that um not sure I don't not know any studies about that but observationally observationally I've seen it in the dungeon so I I imagine in our community it's not completely un common i mean it's again if your wires across this way and you're triggering these chemical releases it isn't that unusual when you view it from that perspective on the outside again it would seem incredibly strange mm-hmm. you know part of that also falls along remember that i talked about the kinkiness scale which is it's so non-sexual it becomes even more kinky well the more kinky something is the more of an arousal it'll be to a kinky person therefore that does make sense that doing something kinkier would bring upon that release. There's also a little bit of disparity because from the outside, you can't really tell what the person's motivations are. But some masochists will allow themselves to be subjected to pain to, like you said before, for punishment or just to please their Right. Uh, dominant or top. Yeah, and so, and we'll actually get to that in a minute because there's, there's, we're talking about almost a very specific masochist niche, which is actually enjoying the pain. And I think people would be surprised how many people enjoy pain as part of sex who don't enjoy pain at all. Right. It, that would probably be a, seem like a contradiction, but I, that's what we'll hopefully get to explain. Mm-hmm. So one of the things, and I'm not sure even how much aware of it you are, but the sexuality and the orgasms from pain a lot of time come from the submitting and being controlled to do so. So a lot of times with you, I will instruct you to orgasm on the fourth cane stroke. Mm-hmm. And so some of it is I've, I am purposely tying your pain to your sexuality. Mm-hmm. No, you're reinforcing what's already I'm, there. I'm re- yeah, yeah, I'm reinforcing what's there, and I'm reining it in and, and taking control over it. Mm-hmm. And But by submitting to it, you're also submitting to those wires are going to be crossed whether you like it or not because I'm the one crossing them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they were crossed before, but I'm double-knotting them. Double-knot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so you derive actual pleasure itself from the pain. Correct. If it's in a sexual context, not pain automatically all pain causes sexual pleasure but in the contents of a sexual scene or mood or dynamic right okay and that is a i mean that is a true masochist i mean and it doesn't mean better or worse but someone who just literally derives pleasure from the pain itself it's the closest to the definition definition right but there are a lot of people that fall into that category and and even some people that don't enjoy pain will refer to themselves as masochists because they do play with pain as part of the dynamic. Right. So there's a number of different ones here. I'll just throw them out one at a time. So 
there are some people that use pain for cathartic reasons. Mm-hmm. Cathartic meaning an, an emotional release. Some of them might enjoy the pain itself, but some of them, many of them don't. In fact, I think you, and to some extent you almost, I don't want to say you have to not enjoy the pain, but to have a cathartic release, it has to come with some displeasure. Mm-hmm. So, and you do get release from that as well. I do. But it's not your primary motivation. But right. tell me about, and I'm going to be asking you these questions as the, the masochist. Mm-hmm. Talk about why, well, what cathartic, what, you know, catharsis is. You're using pain for catharsis. What is that? Well, I've never heard of anybody who didn't feel better after they cried. There's just something that makes that getting it all off your chest and just the rel- letting the release it's, it's free flowing uh, that emotion even if it was hard to get there i mean probably the harder it is to get there the more relief you get from letting it go well it's the harder just... it is to get there is also more the reason why you do this it, if you can just make yourself cry from some past trauma, right? you do not need this as much as someone who says, damn it, I only get this when I do this thing. Right. And I fully identify as a not very emotional person, especially being female. Um, so that definitely has been a great tool in processing things that came up in my life and being able to just have a period of time where I don't have to hold my, my stuff, my feelings or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And the process process of getting you there is very rewarding for the person who's taking you there. Mm -hmm. And there's even a skill involved. Right. You, You can have a person that is trying to get you to the point of cathartic release by giving you as little pain as possible. Like, I'm not going to take you to the edge in 10 seconds. We're going to have a gradual build where there's nothing that's going to be that horrible along the way. But you'll be able to get this release. And that, that doesn't mean that that is effective for the next person. Everyone's different. But how we get you there is, again, I mean, that is a skill. It is not, uh, well, let's, let's put it this way. Very few people buy an automatic paddling machine for cathartic release doesn't mean it doesn't happen but you trust upon the dance of the person who's providing therapy right i mean that's well i'm saying this as a question not mo- as a most definitely because half of the being able to get to that place is knowing that i'm safe and that has a lot to do with the partner that i'm playing with yeah and the psychology of it on the the top side by the way, the person providing this absolutely does not need to be a sadist. No. You could absolutely, dis, you could all the way to the point you dislike causing the person pain, but what they're getting out of it is something you're willing to go through for them as well. So you don't have to enjoy it for itself. But along with the process, typically will also come, it's not just you cry and then we untie you and let you go. It comes with physical touch. It comes with compassion. It comes with maybe talking about things that you couldn't open up to before. It could come with talking about things while it's happening that you weren't going to talk about. Mm-hmm. 
it's about taking you to a place, you know, it is pain for catharsis is therapy. Oh, yeah. I'm, I find it far more beneficial than I ever got from talk therapy sessions. Yeah, it, it just takes you to a level that, you know, some people find difficult to get to. And those who don't find it, I mean, if you can get to that place without pain and you're not a masochist, well, then you shouldn't be doing it. That's not a requirement for doing it. not a requirement for doing it. And you could still enjoy it for other reasons. No, absolutely. So that's another reason. So um, another reason for pain is for control. And that is as much the threat of pain as the pain itself. And you almost, you almost want someone who's not a masochist to use pain as a threat of control, even though most of those people would identify themselves as masochists because they're playing with pain and instruments. But in a sense, it's their desire to not feel pain that creates the obedience. And now as, as, so we'll call them masochists, even though they may not enjoy the pain for pain's sake. But in that role, the masochist is getting a need met because they want to be controlled, they want discipline, and they want a type of strength. By the way, all these are asked as questions, but they, they want a, a show of strength that they can then submit to. Is that correct? Right. And that also comes with a fear of, of compliance. And for, for some people, like all of these things, it turns them on, right? Uh-huh. So sometimes it's uh, authority over the other from the other individual sometimes it's just the fear and there's also the opposite so when the threat isn't is presented the bottom or the sub would would push up against that to be bratty and or to elicit the the threat and i think the brattiness would be more of a masochist who's actually trying to get more out of the person playfully again generalizing mm-hmm. but as opposed to i mean someone that ab, someone who absolutely did, plays with pain who hates pain is not as likely to be in the bratty role right they the last thing they want to do is upset their master or their top or their dom mm-hmm. like they don't they don't want the pain and um but it's it's a way of exercising control i mean one way of exercising control is with um restraining somebody bondage Mm -hmm. but you can exercise just as much control with the fear of something happening that you don't want and so it's it's a way of playing with submission right um but again that person who may hate pain will possibly identify as a masochist because it's part of their play right for sure okay so now here's going to be a um, this is a this will be a more dangerous area to carry to talk about, okay? And you'll understand why in a second. But what about someone who doesn't like pain, but accepts pain to please their sadistic partner? I think that's still valid. It just has to be very carefully regulated. You have to set the boundaries, and really trust, because sadism is a true need just as much as for us masochists that that need the release i believe there's a a release for being 
from being a sadist too. You get some kind of gratification from it. Otherwise, there wouldn't be people that did it. Sure. Well, and uh, I, the reason I say it's on this kind of sketchy area, um, I, I think it is in a sketchy area. Because in the healthy dynamic, I would view it no different than why does the husband take a part-time job they don't want to do? They're doing something they don't want to do to make their partner happy. I mean, if that's their reason for it. There's nothing wrong with doing things you don't want to do to make your partner happy. And in fact, in a healthy relationship, you're not always doing stuff you don't want to do to make your partner happy because you're giving, you it's compersion, you care about them, you want them to feel positive things. So in that sense, yeah. Yeah, I see why you say that it's a it, it's, sticky point because there's there's the school of thought like you should never have to do anything you don't want to do really. Right, like, which is fantastic in, in your relationship. I would never want that relationship. I do things every day I don't want to do to make you happy. Now, when I say I don't want to do it, the fact that it makes you happy, I want to do it because it makes you happy. It's a, you know, playing semantics here. So it's not that I don't want to do it. That's the starting place. It's the wife that doesn't like giving head, but gives head to her husband because it makes him feel good. And then she derives pleasure because he feels good while simultaneously not liking giving head, but still enjoying doing it. Like it, it's okay for that. Like the world's not black and white. It's okay for it to be, for it to be both. So you can do the thing you don't want to do. I think it's, it's maybe okay. like the, the word is not that you don't want to do it. It's that you wouldn't do it otherwise. If you were left to your own devices, you wouldn't do that thing. But because you want to be pleasing. Right. And you're willing to subject yourself to it. Right. And as someone who is submissive or uh, takes on a more a stronger slave role, you know, a, any type of service, I mean, you're, you're pleasing your partner becomes an integral part of your identity and your being. Mm-hmm. All of these, these things so far, I view as healthy. The, where it gets sticky to me is when somebody, oh, see, I want to get this right. Um, I want to say they forgo their identity completely but foregoing one's identity is also perfectly acceptable in that if that's what you choose in your role. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that either. But if you do not choose and you are not consenting to let your identity go and you don't want to let all of this of you go, yet you're doing it, there's a point where it's too much. And, and I, you know... I can't judge someone else for that. I bet I just explained that terribly. But we've talked about, for example, here would be a perfect example. We've talked about, we spoke with a woman one time who was talking right off the bat on the phone how far she would go. Like, oh, I'll let you do this, I'll let you do this, the levels of pain that she was asking for right off the bat. And she and she basically expressed that, you know, she just wants to please us and that was her entire role. Well, that gets sketchy because all of a sudden, is that the person that goes to the police later and says, oh, look at these marks? Like, 
Yeah, it could very easily it could become easily. that. Do they go into the community and say that, that she didn't consent? Like, can like can that happen? Or, even if those things don't happen and nothing is harmful to us, does she harm herself? By going further than she really wanted to go, would we take her to a place where she faces real trauma because of it? We did nothing wrong. She told us to. But that doesn't mean it was okay because she didn't set her own boundaries out of a desire to please us. Or how about in the competitive sense? Right. Right. I'm going to go further than I want to go because I'm going to, I'm going to go further than your ex-wife. I'm your new partner. I've even seen that in dungeon settings where there's several scenes going on and you just play to a bit of a, of an accelerated level because of the environment. Right. And and masochism is not a competitive sport. No, but people can be competitive with anything. By the way, so so can sadists. Yeah. So that's doing it just to please your partner can be totally a total healthy expression of love within your relationship. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's automatic. Right. I think it has to be constantly checked. I think that the the dominant in that situation also has a responsibility to try to be in tune with that. Although if the dominant is a true sadist, that might not be their problem. It is the adult submissive's responsibility in that relationship to to voice. And to communicate it, for sure. Because there's there's no way other than using words... To describe when something hurts or if it's getting to be too much or and and it might change from minute to minute or day to day if someday we're used to playing with a certain implement that implement hurts more on a certain day than it did the day before i need to be sure to let you know like i'm not feeling that right now that's we need to use something else or or hit a different place because there's a spot on my skin that's too sensitive or something Right. So there's absolutely no way that you would know that without me communicating it. And that's probably the, the hardest thing for masochists is you get into your head and and the verbalization doesn't come so easy. Right. Now, and there's more rabbit holes to go down, but those are some of the general ideas. I mean, the the, the overall theme here is that masochism doesn't necessarily mean I get off on pain. There's all these different... Some of us do. Some of, some of, some of you do. <laughs> I almost said some of us. <laughs> some of you do. Some of you don't. Both are valid in a play space and right. in, in a relationship. Now, what about different types of pain? Because pain is a pretty general word. A toothache is not the same as a nipple twist. Right. Right? So what about... Well, there's categories for one. Mm-hmm. You know, there's thumpy pain and there's stingy pain and there's cutty pain and mm-hmm. um, electric pain would be different. Yeah, and like temperature pain. Temperature pain, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and more. Those are all categories. But then you apply all those to different body parts. Right. And then different body parts, how recently those body parts have received other types of pain is a big one right what's happening at the same time i mean there's so many different things going on here you know there's you know so let's kind of just touch on some of those so 
the instruments. You go, you know, if you're a, if you're new to this world, you've seen it in the movies where the the sadist opens up the the closet shelf and there's a whole bunch of things hanging there. <laughs> right. The cliche dungeon. The cliche yeah. dungeon. Um, the red room of pain. The, yeah, and um, but there is a reason why someone has different implements. Is because they do cause different types of pain, or even you know some are simply can't even be used on some body parts. Right. Right. So, but so talk about the different types of instruments. I mean, just broad categories. Right. There's so many, but like, what are the broad categories? The well, let's go through like thuddy and stingy because that's probably the most common or what you would get into first. So something that puts the sensation on the surface of the skin is going to be stingy. So something like a cane or a hand or a really firm paddle. Something that doesn't have a lot of give because all the pressure stays on the surface. And that's like getting smacked across the face. So like that kind of sharp impact is what we what I tend to describe as a stingy pain. A thuddy pain actually transfers more of the impact force deeper into the muscle. You'll get really, really pretty bruising from those. The best one that I had so far, and there are lots lots of options, was actually a kind of um, like a foam baseball bat. I think it probably was even purchased at like the Dollar Tree or something like that. <laughs> but... Like a kid's baseball bat. And I know there's people that play with much more brutal instruments, but that that actually transfers the the impact down into the muscle and it's a it's just a richer feeling like when you get a deep tissue mm-hmm. massage. Okay. And then the you said the stingy ones are on the surface. Mm-hmm. More on the surface. And those would include, you said, canes and paddles, canes and whips. Canes hands, yeah. What, what, do you, what would you consider um, like a crop? I mean, because that could be both. I mean, real heavy weather could be more... Th- yeah, definitely. And, and floggers, too. It, th- those I, are I, more I said, variable. I said crop. I meant floggers, sorry. Yeah, crops and floggers, too. Um, but they, that's part of the, the skill that you were talking about. It, it's a technique... You can the more of it that you lay down. If it's a flogger, you can hit with the tips. That makes a stingy pain. If you hit more with the whole uh, length of the fall, then you get a more thuddy sensation. Yeah, so, I, I remember like I used to love, and I loved that it, it scared you. But the the dragon tail, which was the more the surface you hit, the less pain it is. Mm-hmm. The more you get to just the tip, the less of the tip you get, the more stingy it is. So I would purposely. In an attempt to get the tip, I would miss four times out of five because I was literally trying to get one millimeter of the tip to hit a certain spot in your body. <laughs> and I would do it and do it and do it and you wouldn't feel a thing, but you knew it was coming. But like that yeah, was... that was almost enough of a mindfuck to be painful by itself. Like just that... trying to guess which one of those strokes was going to hit. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of it too is, you know, you can have a slow build. Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point... Just a light tap on the butt, 
after a certain amount of time is painful. Mm-hmm. You know, it it builds, and you can also do things that are fast. And a lot of that is, to me, is as much the psychology as anything. What type of roller coaster are you on? Right. There's also benefits to like making it rhythmic versus spacing the strokes out and being more chaotic but that those are valid techniques too it's it's all in what you want the experience to be yeah i remember at one point when we first started playing at, there was a time where i was caning you on your butt and you said you which <laughs> you shouldn't have done <laughs> but you told me you said you keep hitting the same spot move to another spot so and i well, first off, my response was to absolutely not move to a different spot. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. Um, and by the way, we'll discuss the psychology of this in a minute. I'm, I'm, uh, that that sounds that doesn't sound good. But in this case, it was you don't get to decide. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you call your safe word, it's that's not your call. But uh, I was purposely going to the same spot. I was creating an experience different than moving around. It was, I was doing it softer. I would not be able to do it for as long. But it was a different type of build than had I moved around and let every spot recover. And, but I think at that moment, you just had wanted something different. Right. (laughs) But that automatically (laughs) doesn't work. Well, okay, and speaking of different spots, so the, there's... (laughs) There's ways to spread it around so that, like, if you're hitting the same spot over and over again, it does increase the pain, but that might not be the goal. The, the goal right. might be to absolutely to spend more time to get to that point of cathartic release, or just to in just to increase the time that you're going to be playing. Right. And so you could do back and back. And then buttocks, and then back of the thighs, or front of the thighs, um, breasts. There's so many different areas that could be impacted too. So, the fact that sometimes when you play, you have to look at what the different toys available, where they can be used. Yeah, and some are more dangerous, and uh, an obvious one is some leave marks. Well, they can all leave marks, but there's different types of marks. And you can do things that leave almost no marks. Mm-hmm. But I would argue that anything runs the risk of leaving a mark. Absolutely. It happens all the time, even with an experienced person where that, that wasn't supposed to leave a mark and it did. Because you don't know what part of the skin is sensitive at any given moment. Uh, but in general, some things are obvious. If you're being caned, you're getting marks. Uh, don't do it below the elbow if you wear short sleeves at your job I mean right. so a lot of that is you know that but that's just being responsible yeah play part and we don't want to go into the whole no, like, we'll, we'll, technique and safety aspect but you know there yeah. are places that you need to avoid as well for the body's well that'll be makeup that'll like, be another talk too yeah this is more just about so so I think that covers a lot about about the masochist Mm-hmm. There's different types of pain. They have different reasons. Um, they're used for psychology, but also to create physical endorphins. And it doesn't matter if you like it or you don't. You can be a masochist and incorporate it in for different reasons. For sure. For sure. Okay, so now 
sadism. 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 So, I'll just reiterate that someone who derives pleasure or sexual gratification from causing pain, it is not automatic that 100% of those people are welcome members of our community. Mm-hmm. There is a different type of thing. Um, it is a specific type of person uh, that is welcome. It's, it's consensual, uh, but you're still deriving pleasure in some way. Even if you, you know, a sadist can be someone who likes to do something that makes the person feel pain and not feel good, which can absolutely be a healthy part of a dynamic because that's what the person's looking for. It could be, you can be a sadist if you only do things that you want to have this positive, happy outcome. Like I would never cause pain unless it's going to lead to my partner's orgasms. And some people would say, well, that doesn't sound really sadistic. You're trying to give them pleasure. But it it still falls under the category of sadism. Just like a masochist who doesn't like pain can still be a masochist. You're still a sadist. You're just a different type than someone who enjoys pain for pain's sake. In fact, that's almost what it is, is that like in the purest sense, they just, a sadist wants to just and enjoys the causing of the pain. But it's an umbrella term that includes pain given for certain reasons. A, a person who uses pain in sex, even if they don't enjoy giving the pain, I would still say can identify as a sadist in that dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, it's not uncommon for even. Well, let's say a relationship that is a more vanilla relationship, but the, one of the partners wants to derive pain for catharsis. Well, the, the person giving that pain may never enjoy the act of giving that pain, but they realize that's something their partner likes. They're not even really in an S&M or SM relationship, right? They're, mm-hmm. But they're taking on a sadist role because they are whipping or flogging their partner. I would still, I would still say they qualify, mm-hmm. right? And And I think... That most relates to what what would be called a service top. Like you're doing it in order to provide that sensation as a service. And really some some service tops still get pleasure from it because they're experienced and they're just, you know, giving, you know, pl- an example or a tasting of whatever instrument they're using or they negotiate a scene to play with somebody new and try it out it doesn't imply that there's any kind of relationship there at all but it can be right and i think that you can have a sadist that is actually adverse to pain but uses pain as a control as a threat that really means it when they are disappointed that their partner broke a rule because now they have to give the pain you know, that old cliche that's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. I think that can be true. I don't want to do this, but here's what I do because this is the dance we've created in this DS relationship to have control. And if you don't, if you threaten pain as part of a punishment, if you back down from that, it kind of derails your ability to use that threat. So you, to reinforce the boundary so you, that you made. You what? kind of have to do the thing that you've threatened. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, of course, if you're in a dominant role, you can simply choose not to. But I, 
and this may be personal, but I'm a big fan of when, when we create rules within a certain scene, I know it can be fun to say, well, I changed my mind. Like if you do this, you get 10 cane strokes. But if you successfully do this, you don't get any. And then the person successfully does it. Well, as a sadist and in the dominant role, you're allowed at that point to say, you know, I've changed my mind. Instead of zero, you're getting 20. But that's not how I like to play. To me, I like to give the submissive occasional victories. So if you do succeed in this thing, my response is, shit. Kind of like you won this round. I allow that. And you, you get the whatever that reward is, which might have been the zero. So I like to play by the rules I create, but I'm not required to. It's just that's personal. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy that, actually. I don't like when the rules change, you know, halfway up the stream. No. Although every once in a while, I will change the rules on you only because I always want it in your head that I can. Mm-hmm. So I don't want you to ever forget that I can change the rules. Sense. Let's talk about someone who enjoys pain. They just derive sexual pleasure from giving or watching pain. Okay. Do you think that can be healthy? Yeah, of course. What about somebody who fantasizes about non-consensual pain but would never do it? I think there's a there's a line that's just individual to each person and probably has to do a lot with self-preservation. Like in general people don't do what they don't think they can get away with. Right. So some people don't do it for clearly selfish reasons which if, you know like if everything at Walmart or any kind of store, you just walk into it and you knew you could just walk out without paying for it, everybody would just walk out with everything. But you know you will get in trouble for walking out with it. So so without the, the moral implication. Right. So I personally believe that if it takes place in one's head, it cannot be wrong. Right. We strongly subscribe to the fact that Anything that happens in fantasy is... And between consenting adults... Is okay. Is okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I also... I will give validity to the argument when someone says, but certain fantasies are dangerous because they can lead to certain types of antisocial behavior that starts with fantasy. I completely agree with that. But I believe we have a freedom to make that choice to not do certain things that are unethical or illegal and then keep them within our heads or in our in our relationship and they're still acceptable. But I can still acknowledge that that can be risky behavior for certain people. Some Certain people shouldn't be going to those places in their heads. Mm-hmm. But people do. And um, even to the point of uh, role plays, Consenting adults can have role plays, I believe, that are incredibly fucked up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I mean, God, every some every person, every vanilla couple that's ever done tried out that rape fantasy just did a role play of something awful. And it doesn't mean that anybody was harmed or they shouldn't be allowed to do it. So it's it's, it, but it's it's a tricky topic because you will get pushback 
when you express these things. But I do not believe it's unhealthy to, for a person to have sadistic fantasies or to enjoy watching sadistic things. Not at all. You know. In healthy individuals. In, in, in healthy individuals. Mm-hmm. And I am not capable of determining who is healthy and who's not in, unless a certain act has taken place. But inside someone's head, yeah. I mean, and if a, if a person's motivation is self-preservation, they just simply don't want to go to jail for it, that doesn't mean that that's an unhealthy person. The other thing is, is it does not mean it is an unhealthy person to play with. You know, it's one of the things I heard described to me one time, unrelated to this world, was they were talking about someone who was a sociopath. Mm-hmm. And they said they were the easiest person in the world to relate to because they understood exactly what their motivations are and they were so consistent and so controlled that you could trust that individual in some ways more than someone who wasn't a sociopath but was driven by moods and emotions. And this is this is true. You if you have you could have someone who is has who is a sadist who enjoys providing pain, who who enjoys other people in pain, who has no moral qualms even morally against doing non-consensual pain but they enjoy their life they don't want to go to jail they like the reputation of never violating consent because people will play with them that is a person that you can potentially trust fully maybe more than other people because they in their self-interest will never do something that causes a bad reputation because then they lose play partners so out of complete self-interest they become someone that is a trusting play partner Sometimes, <laughs> right? Potentially. Potentially, but I think the the point of this, and and you know, I I am so careful of the words here because it, it is, you know, it's again, it's in it's in the area of gray. But the point is, is that I believe if a person doesn't perpetrate certain acts, then they be they are a trusted, consensual individual, regardless of what's going on between their ears, mm-hmm. and that they are not an unhealthy person in the society or even in the community. I mean. Sadists are a part of our community. And they're some of the coolest people. <laughs> right? Yeah. Just like the masochists and every other type of person. That's a good stopping place for this portion of the episode. We're going to continue on part two in the next recording. And don't forget to go to kinkbuffet.com to follow our social media and join the conversation. <laughs>